So, Byron, you ready? More fire, Lord. Get him. Get him, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, fire. Consume him. Hey, I'll take the fire. Would you? That's good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh. All righty. I wanted to tell you this this story first of all, to, to encourage you. And uh, so several years ago, Bob Jones gave me this prophecy, uh, and he prophesied to me uh, that the Lord was going to use me to heal people's minds. And uh, the next week, I prayed for a guy who was really, uh, I guess, he had manic depression would be the term. I mean, he was crazy. I was scared of the guy really. I wouldn't even let him in my house. But I prayed for him on my porch, and the Lord instantly, he instantly went back into his right mind. It was powerful. And, uh, but unfortunately, I did not continue pursuing praying for people's minds. I just did that one and, you know, one out. But uh, then when the Lord started moving in our church again in a fresh way, in a new way, I felt one of the things the Lord really started giving me revelations on was the renewed mind of Christ and praying for people to be spiritually touched in their mind. And I prayed for a lot of people for the Lord to really touch their mind, renew their mind, to heal their their minds of, of you know the memories and things that are stuck down in our minds, the strongholds that are in there. And I've really seen the Lord touch a lot of people. Um, do that, and so I mean that's sort of been something I know the Lord's given me anointing to do. Um, but then uh, I was listening to the Sid Roth interview of this guy named Jason Westerfield. And uh, Jason started talking about heal, seeing people healed of Alzheimer's. I thought, man, Lord, I know that's what you've called me to do. And of ADD and just all these different things. And I really got just sort of asking the Lord. I really started, it really just put something in me when I heard it. I knew the Lord was speaking to me, you know, through that. That, this is, that you're not only supposed to heal people's spiritual minds, but you really need to go after the, all the problems that we're having in our country uh, with the older people losing their minds. and Because, I mean, honestly, our nation cannot afford to lose our old people to Alzheimer's. It's demonic. We're being robbed of wisdom. We're being robbed of wisdom. And you, when you see a lot of the people who get in the final stages of Alzheimer's, they're just absolutely in fear. They're terrorized. And I feel like the Lord just doesn't really like that. And He wants to heal them. But also children who have learning disabilities... Dyslexia, ADD, ADHD. I mean, all these different things. You know, all these kids are on medication, and so I just really begin in earnest to seek the Lord about that and really pray. And so I was um, had this really opportunity to go and play nine holes of golf. Okay, and so I just snuck to the golf course because I had like two hours and ten minutes of free time. So I get there, and uh, there's a guy sitting on the first tee. That's where you start the golf game at. It's not a tee. When I, I mean, you used to hear people talking about tee times. I was thinking, why do people have to make an appointment of a tee time? I was thinking they were going to sit down and drink tea together. That's how stupid I was. Lord, give me a, a download of, of intelligence. Anyway, this guy told me, he said, well, you can go ahead and go because I'm waiting on my wife. He was sitting in the car. He said, because I can't drive a golf cart because I've had a brain injury. I said, Really? So getting, I was going to go, and I thought, I'm going to, you know. So I went back. I said, can you tell me what happened to your brain? What happened? He said, one year ago, I went to the mall, and I fell. 
and had a, a brain. I said, well, how bad was it? He said, this conversation we're having right now, I couldn't have it a year ago. He said, I've been in rehabilitation. And actually, the golf is part of, thank you, Lord. Golf, <laughs> golf was part of rehabilitation, man. You hear that, Becky? <laughs> So I thought, yeah, you know, so I, well, that's great, you know, I'm going back over there to do my shot off the tee. On the way, I thought, man, the Lord, like, the opportunity's here. Here's a guy with a brain injury right here. So I think, oh, I'm going to go there and ask him if I can pray for him. So I went and I said, can I pray for you? I said, I won't make a scene or nothing, you know. Because some people get nervous about you praying for them in public and they think you're going to make a scene, you know. Yeah, and I said, I'll just, I said, nobody even knows we're praying. It would be like I'm just talking to you. And he said, no, go right ahead. So I prayed for him. I started praying for him. I immediately felt the Holy Spirit come on this guy. came all over both of us. I just felt this, this warmth of the Lord, this, this peace of God just come and just sort of settle. And you could just see him go, you know, physically just kind of. And so I just prayed, you know, the Lord to heal him, just touch this man. You know, just prayed the real the love of God on this man, and he was. I finished. He was crying, and really was just so thankful. Thank you so much for doing this. You know, I really appreciate. It. And I was walking. I said, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. And by that time, there was these other people there. And then God bless you. <laughs> he yelled it out. <laughs> yeah. So I realized that God is really interested in healing people of these problems because our country is plagued with these problems. And I was saying this morning, Drew Crowley was in the first service. You know, Drew, a lot of you don't know, was what, two years ago or a year? Yeah, two years ago, Drew almost died. He was in a skateboarding accident. You know, they had to cut part of his brain, uh, not his part of it, his skull, take his skull out. He walked around with a big dent in his head. <laughs> Where there was no skull for a while, because his brain had swollen, and but God healed Drew, and you know we even we had talked to the nurses up there in Asheville in the hospital he was in, um, and they said we usually get one miracle a year, and this was it. When people had that severe, yeah, yeah. So he's back, you know, he's in college, and he has a 3.0 average in college now. After somebody who weren't weren't going to live, man, I mean, this was a real miracle that God did in his life. And I realize God has given us an anointing to heal minds in this church. Okay, so, you know, different people have different kinds of anointing. Like I was telling Matthew, Matthew's talking about these joints. He's always getting stuff on people with broken, hurting joints and messed up legs. And I just told him, man, you just need to start praying. Don't even ask the Lord because the Lord's given him permission. If you've got a messed up foot or something or head, you know, twisted arm or something, get him to pray for you because God's given him authority for that kind of thing. Amen? God does that. He gives everybody, you know, some people have different anointings, but I believe that God wants to release the anointing to heal minds. Okay? So if you would like that anointing, I want you to stand up, and we're going to just ask the Lord to release it to us to heal people. You know, and I really want you to just, in your heart, be committed to press into this, because like any kind of anointing, you have to just go after it and go after it, and go after it, and you'll start seeing breakthrough. But just, if you want to just lift your hands to heaven and just pray after me. Father, I really am asking you today for the anointing 
and the power and the authority to heal minds, both spiritually, emotionally, and physically, of all these diseases, such as Alzheimer's and ADD and ADHD and, and uh, dyslexia, bipolar, uh, manic depression. Lord, all these things that plague these people. Huh? Schizophrenia, Lord. Lord, we ask You for the anointing to drop on us now, Lord. And we begin to have authority when we put our hands on people. Hey! Woo! Hey! Oh, Lord, do it. For the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh. Mm. Lord, don't let our nation... Lord, don't let our nation be robbed of our old people that are sitting in rooms afraid and don't even know their children or their loved ones. God, please. And Lord, our little children, that they go and they give them drugs and stuff to try to help them focus in school and behave and all these things, God. And people who just lose their minds, Lord. Father, we are asking today, I believe your compassion is available. And we are saying, here we are, God. I believe there's a call on each one of us to heal those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's good, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to try to just trim this message down. I took too long in the first service talking about stuff that was good, but it wasn't really what I wanted to say. <laughs> Y'all good? But I do want to just talk to you briefly. Can I just talk to you briefly and sort of take you, kind of review a couple of things with you about the Holy Spirit River? I'm going to do this quick because I'm going to read in Ezekiel 47, 1 through 6 because I'm really interested in the Holy Spirit River. Now, I want to tell you right before we begin is, and I've told you all this a bunch of times, I'm going to tell you again this morning, there is a real and literal spiritual river. I mean, think about it. Ezekiel saw this river before the book of Revelations was written where it describes this river in heaven. So he was seeing something before John the the Apostle was ever born who wrote the book of Revelation. You can read about the same river. He saw the exact same thing that John the Apostle saw in the book of Revelation. Revelations 22, read verse 1 through 5. And it's basically the same thing that he says in Ezekiel 47. It said he gives us a little bit more detail that I want to just sort of get us, remind us of. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the house. Who? The house. What house are we talking about? Temple. Okay, come on. Give me. Father's house. God's house. The place where God lives. His home. His, you know, let's bring it home. God's a good old homebody. You know, he has a house. In every church. It's supposed to be an expression of that house. Therefore, every church has the availability of the river of God. Every church does. There's not a church that, in fact, I have been in a friend's church and seen the river in his church, but he does not have any clue that river's there. Has no clue, but I saw it. It was in there. And, um, you know, Jacob, when, you know, Jacob's ladder, he had this dream, went to sleep, saw a dream, saw heavens open, angels are going up and down, and he woke up and said, God was in this place, I didn't even know it. God was in this place, I didn't. So many times God can do something, we don't even know it. 
So I'm telling you, I, there's a river. I have seen it many times. In fact, I experienced it some this morning. I didn't see it. I felt it. I love feeling that thing myself. I don't know about you, but I, that's why I get on the floor. I get on the floor to get in the river. I don't get on the floor to sleep. I get in there because many, many, many times, not every time, 70% of the time, I feel or see the river. Okay? And that's something that God wants all of us to, to have that. Uh and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house towards the east, where the house faced east, and water was flowing down from under from the right side of the house and from south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. That's a lot of <laughs> the gates and south and north and east. Okay? Um, when the man went out towards the east with a line in his hand... Now, who, this man is the Lord, I believe. It doesn't say, he just talks about this man, you know. This man went out with his lines and he measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water, water reaching the ankles. Everybody say ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the knee. Everybody say knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins or the waist. Everybody say waist deep. I never was into the loin thing. Anyway. <laughs> Again, he measured a thousand. It was the river that I could not ford, for the water had risen enough water to swim in, a river that could not be forded. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Son of man, everybody, have you seen this? Now, that's a question we need to ask. Have we seen this? Think about it. If God's measuring the river, that means it's in, God don't measure stuff he's not in, that's not important to him. Right? We measure things that we care about. He cares about the river. So he, he's interested in what's the, what is the river's depth? Is it ankle deep today or is it knee deep or is it weighted over our head? See, God's paying attention to the river. Are we paying attention to the river? Now that's what the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we seeing it? That's what he said. Son of man, do you see this? Are you paying attention to what I'm trying to tell you here? So it's important to God... The river of the Holy Spirit is important to God. It should be important to the church. God want them, wants to make it important to us. Now, there's these different levels of the river, okay? And every level has a specific purpose, I believe. And, and uh, just real quick, the, there's the ankle-deep level, which is times of refreshment from the presence of the Lord. That's, now, I'm telling you what I see it, how I see the river, because I've studied this river. Ever since it came into our church, I've studied. I've made myself a student of the river. I've listened to the river. I've paid attention to the river. I've asked God over and over, what is this river? Tell me about this river. Teach me about this river. I just, because it's important, and really because it's affected me so much. I'm thinking, man, this thing is wonderful. But the Bible says the river comes from the throne of God, and it's of the Lamb. So obviously it's got to be important. I mean, come on, we've got to get that in our hearts. It's important. It's important. God wouldn't do that if it wasn't important. Anyways, the ankle deep is the times of refreshing. That's when the church gets refreshed. That's when everybody gets excited, when the river of God first shows up. Remember when it first showed up here, how everybody was going wild, and Jackie was over there prophesying to me, shaking her finger. I mean, that's what she was doing. Her, her and this other person, I won't mention their name since they're in here, they were just going after me tooth and nail. Telling me basically this, you can't never go back. You've got to go after this. I did what they told me to do. <laughs> I'm just, if you got any complaints, fuss at them. 
But that's an exciting time, isn't it, when the Lord first does something. Everybody just feels, oh, this is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And people get encouraged in the Lord, and then they go tell their friends, and go get their friends and throw them in. That's just a great time. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's a blessed time. But then God decides He wants to do something else. And He says, there's a knee-deep level, which is a little different. So he brings the knee-deep level, and it's not such a refreshing thing, but the knee-deep's more of a healing thing or more of a deliverance thing where God begins to go to work in people's hearts. He begins to go to work in their soul realm, begin to speak to them, begin to do things. You know, where people can get these profound revelations about the love of God and God's daring heart towards us. And, and, you know, these famous words, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's what happens in the knee-deep level where you hear God speak to you and He speaks into your life and says something to you on a personal, real level that's life-changing where you know that God loves me. He loves me. He loves me, period. And I can never do anything to get Him to love me more or less. He's pleased with me. That is a very powerful and essential experience for every Christian because the church is full of people who in their hearts deep down they may not act like it but down there in somewhere they're not sure about this they're not sure and that's what the knee deep does among other things but that's one of the powerful things it does because everybody needs that powerful experience if you don't have that powerful experience you're going to be very limited in your life you'll never completely fulfill your destiny you will never fulfill your purpose because there's a devil out there that is, will hammer away on you and make you feel bad about things, make you insecure, and make you back off. But if you're a son, listen, you can say all that, devil, but I'm not going for it. Because Jesus had the experience, this is my son, and guess what happened? The Spirit drove him into the desert. He goes out there and the devil starts picking on him. Oh, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He begins to make you question who you are. But once you get that thing settled between you and God, there's no devil in hell that can pull you out of that. And I really encourage people to get into the knee-deep level. But it doesn't stop there. Okay? There's another level called the waist-deep. That's the empowering presence of God where God begins to release the anointing to be a witness of Him, to witness. You're going to witness. And a witness, as we've said, a witness is somebody who has personally seen something or heard something. Okay? Somebody who's personally seen something or heard. That's the waist-deep level. It's the empowering. The way, when I experienced, the first time I experienced the waist-deep level in this church, there was a wind on it. There was a current on it. I was saying, what's the wind and the current? Because it's meant to take you away from here. It's meant to take you out from this place and become a witness to those around you. We don't need people to just go tell them. We're going to go tell some people some scriptures. No, it's you have heard something that's, that's profoundly true, and you're able to communicate that to people. Because John the Baptist is the great, I love the way he said it. He said, listen, talking about Jesus, I would have not known that this person, Jesus, my cousin, was the Son of God, that he was the Christ, except for the person who sent me told me this. He said, the person that you see the dove land on and stay on, that person is the Son of God. And he said, and I'm telling you, I saw that dove land on that man. That was his testimony. Think about it. We believe in somebody who said he saw a dove land on, a dove come out of heaven. That's crazy. 
I mean, it is to me. I mean, come on. You're just seeing doves, huh? <laughs> and you're hearing voices. Somebody told you. Oh, right. But no, that's what a witness is. They hear something and see something. That's the empowering level of the Spirit. So what? We need to be refreshed. We need to be fixed. And we need to be empowered. Now, that doesn't mean we got one refreshing and we got one fixing and we got one empowered. No. You could have many refreshings. God will bring a bunch of new refreshings because we need, always need refreshing. And He's going to bring a bunch of new empowering. So it's not a one-time event. But there are, there are times, there, it, the river's progressive. But there's another level, which really what I want to talk to you about the other level. It's the overhead level. Now, I will be honest with you. I've not experienced the overhead level in this church. Uh, somebody said they experienced it, but I didn't. I, I missed it that day. He, they, this person said it was over their head. I'm thinking, yeah, I bet it was. I mean, you know, come on. I bet it was over their head. They saw it. I'm believing what they said. I just didn't get in on it. Okay? But I'm asking the Lord. Because I was asking God, Lord, what is? tell me about the overhead level. Tell me, tell me, talk to me about this. And you know what he said to me? This is how God does. Byron, you don't, you don't really have much of a revelation of the Father. That's what he said to me. You don't have much of a revelation about the Father. At first it bummed me out. Like, man, I don't have no revelation. God just told me I didn't. And it sort of bummed, man. You know, like, uh, I thought I knew something. All that stuff I just said to you, I thought I knew that. That's what I started thinking. And the Lord said, no, there's just so much more. The Father is going to be revealed to the church in a much greater manner. There's something greater. There's something more. There's, there's, God has something more for us. There's a more of a revelation of God, the Father, that we haven't experienced yet. Okay, so that was the first thing. And then I got the email. How many read Larry Faldo's newsletter? Raise your hand. Come, Y'all need to read the newsletter. He, he wrote this little story called The Three Bonds of Love. Now, I'm telling you, this is excellent what he said. So I was reading it that night, that same night, I started reading his newsletter, and he, Three Bonds of Love, that sounds good, because he decided to call his uh, newsletter and his ministry Loving People, something like that, right? Yeah, it's really good, Loving People. I'm going to love people. Right? He's going to send it out to people. Okay, the loving people. All right, so, and then he talks about these three bonds of love. So the first one he says, well, the first one is, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. I'm thinking, yay, Larry. You are me and you're on the same track, baby. You've got this revelation. You're securing God's love. Therefore, you can give God's love away. Then he says, there's another level. It's called friendship. Friendship with God. Anybody got a relationship with God on that level? Where God, I told you a few months ago, God spoke to me and said, I want to be your friend. I want a friendship with you. I want a relationship with you. I, I want you to relate to me as a friend. That's profound. God tells his friends his secrets. You want to get some information from heaven, get into this friendship with the Lord, and he'll start talking to you like you talk to your friend. Anybody got any friends in here? Don't you talk? I mean, there's a couple of people got friends. Y'all need some friends, man. <laughs> But friends tell each other stuff, right? You talk to your friends about some stuff. You tell them some stuff. You may tell them some bad stuff. Like, man, I'm having a bad time. God wants to talk to people. He's looking for people he can talk to on that level. Hey, I'm looking for a friend that I can talk to about what's going on in the world. I'm looking for some friends where I can talk to them about what I feel and what I'm planning on doing. Now, that's pretty good. 
So I was really happy at that point. Yeah, man, me and Larry, we've got this revelation. We're, we're brothers, you know. Then he brings up the third one. Okay, and the third one is this bride thing. She said, amen. I said, yeah, oh me. I'm like, bride thing? I don't want to hear about that. That's that girl revelation that everybody talks about. I'm not into that girl thing. And I was getting really bummed, man, because I'm thinking, I must be missing something here. Because he's got this third piece, you know, three cor- full cores and all these. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm missing something, Lord. And then the Lord spoke to me. No, you're not missing something. And he reminded me of two situations I had in my life. Uh, she had that uh, visitation from the Lord. That was what she said. Was She described what happened to her. That was a visitation where she went into a trance-like situation and God did some things in her life spoke to her. It was she when she shared that with me the other day, it was like, Whoa, I could feel that one. I could relate to it. So there are those kinds of things. So I had this thing happen to me in two thousand seven, January two thousand where where I went into this place and I wasn't here but I was still here. I don't know how to explain it to you. But it was a vision, just to, if you can't take all that, just say it was a vision. Anyways the Lord showed me a gun. Pistol. And it was a beautiful pistol for those of you who like firearms. For those who are against firearms, you can take it up with God, because this is what happened. It was a really beautiful pistol, and very much engraved and all this. And he said, take this. So I took it, and he said, shoot her. That's what he said to me. And I looked, and I saw a girl. Mind you, she was an ugly girl. (laughs) And she was in a wedding dress. And she was rough-looking, man. In fact, this girl... Looked a lot like me, honestly. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't having a problem shooting her. So I just shot her, man. I just pulled it. I just aimed it and pulled the trigger. I saw the bullet hit her. It hit her right here. It blew a hole right through her. Boom! She was dead. And I handed the gun back to the Lord, and that was it. I'm thinking, what does that mean? And so I tried to come up with these different thoughts on what that meant. I never could figure, you know, I came up with some, what I call some low-level human revelation on it. It wasn't the Lord, though. It was just me. You know how, you, y'all don't do that kind of stuff, do you? No, uh-uh. I didn't think you did. <laughs> I knew it won't, because I'm a straining on that. But then, a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me this vision of this bride. Okay? And honestly, this bride was beautiful. Let's just go ahead, and I'm just going ahead and state it. She was, and don't take this wrong if you got blonde hair. Okay, but this was a very dark-headed woman, <laughs> kind of like Becky. Everybody has their personal taste, and God does accommodate us at times with our personal taste. <laughs> For you, it may be a blonde-headed girl, you know, but she was beautiful, man. I mean, she was, she was just radiant. I mean, radiant. Her hair was shiny. It was so radiant, and her skin was... It wasn't like that other old skin with blemishes and just, I mean, like, you know, man, this, that woman looks sick. A woman that looked like me would look sick. <laughs> this woman was the picture of beauty and picture of health. And she was putting these dancing shoes on. And I'm thinking, what is that? And that was the vision. I knew it was the Lord. And this is what I feel like the Lord told me. Okay, now this is all tie. I'm trying to tie, I'm going to tie all this together, okay? I know this ain't making sense. <laughs> this is what he said to me. Okay, that other woman that I killed was our church. That woman had too much of man's image on her. 
and she had to go because God wanted a church that's in His image. The father has a daughter that should look like him, not like one of us. You understand what I'm saying? God wanted to release it. And so what happened was God released this uh, Holy Spirit River into our church. Okay, now I'm I'm proposing I'm I'm going I want you to know this uh, Ezekiel forty-seven twelve. Let's read this. This is this is powerful, and there's a lot more revelation in this than I'm than I'm seeing. Uh, by the river, are they going? Hey, back there. I, uh, those guys, they're doing a great job back there. Ezekiel forty-seven twelve. Alton, you're doing good. I think it's your friend back there. <laughs> no, he's doing good too. It says, By the river, on its banks, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Isn't that powerful? That's a picture. Okay, now this, I've never connected this, but has anybody read that book called The Shack? I highly recommend The Shack. If you can't go buy that book. I mean, it's a novel. If you, I, I usually like to read teaching books, but that's got a lot of revelation in it. Let me, can you put up my Shack quote? Um, it says, this is in, from this book, The Shack. This guy was talking to the Lord Jesus about the church. And this is what he said. A picture of my bride, the church. Individuals who, de- who together form a spiritual city with a living river flowing through the middle. Now I'm telling you, that's God's heart for the church, for this river to flow in His churches. Okay? And on both shores, trees growing with fruit that will heal the hurt and sorrows of the nation. That's powerful, isn't it? It's the same thing that it says in Ezekiel. It's the same thing it says in Revelation. This guy has put it in the shack form. That's really the picture of the bride of Christ that God wants to bring forth in the earth. God wants to beautify the church. That's really what He's interested in doing. right? And the way He's going to do it is He's going to release, he's released this river of the Holy Spirit into the churches. And the, and the river is meant to make us beautiful because the church hasn't been a beautiful church. It's been more in our image. We have formed the church. We have dictated what the church needs to look like, what the church needs to do. And God's saying, we need to shoot that one. Just get it out of the way and let Him release this river and for the people of God to embrace the river of the Spirit and let it do its work in it so He can make the church beautiful the way it's supposed to be. And when the world sees this beautiful woman, they are going to desire this beautiful woman called the church more than they're going to desire the world. You can't blame people who don't know the Lord for looking at church and thinking, why would I want to be involved with this situation? I mean, really, unless you just was felt like condemned into it. God wants to say, no, you don't got to be condemned in it. Nobody condemned me for going after Becky. Like, you better go after her. You know, that's, you know. No, I looked at her and thought, man, I like this girl. I'm going after her. 
She's, she looks good to me. You know? God won't, is going to do that. He's going to make us where people are attractive to us. But it ain't going to be us. It's going to be Him. It's going to be His image that He wants to release through us. God wants to do that to us. Now, um, there was a song from uh, 1970s. Anybody was around in that, those days, 1970s? So I got that song. We were going to sing it, but we're going to sing it this time because Becky knows how to sing it. Brian, I was wanting Brian to do it. I knew he could do it, but he wouldn't do it. That's Brian. He said he didn't know it, but this is the, let me just read the words, and then I want us to sing it because this is what God is doing now. This is what God wants to do in our church, in every church that really loves Jesus, that believes in the Lord Jesus. I don't care what kind of denomination they are. If they, if they believe Jesus is the Son of God, that's good enough. They've got the river, or they can have the river. That's the way I look at it. It says, dress me in the gown of your righteousness. And that's really what God's doing. He's putting a beauty on us. Okay? His beauty. Then it says, that was the cool part, let me dance with a clean heart before you. See, that's one thing God wants to do right now. He wants to clean some people's hearts. Okay? He wants to just wash our hearts with some, you know, bad stuff. And that's really it. He just wants to wash it. Let me dance. That's what the, the church is going to do. The church is going to be cleaned. And the church is going to get up and start dancing this dance. And I'm telling you, it's going to do some stuff in the world. Uh, oh, this is good. Fill my mouth with a list of your loving kindness, kindnesses. Larry Faldo's newsletter is a list of three things of God's loving kindnesses. And that's why I'm telling you, that knee-deep river, that's where you're going to find God's loving kindnesses. You can tell Bible verses all day long. You can quote John 3.16. You can do all this stuff about God, the love of God. And all that. But if you yourself haven't experienced it, there ain't going to be no list in your mouth. It's empty echoes. God wants to put words in our mouth when we speak, people feel love. That's what happened to that guy on the golf course. He felt loved. He felt loved. He felt that God loved him at that moment. And that's all that mattered. Fill my mouth with a list of, let me do what? Speak healing before you. Is God not wanting to release a healing anointing on America? He's releasing it right now. Let me speak healing. This is the bride. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're supposed to do. That, this is, I'm, these words describe the beauty of this bride. Let me speak healing before you. And let my eyes behold the beauty of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Let me just see the Lord Jesus. Let my eyes behold Him. Let my eyes see Him. That's going to that's gonna be powerful. Ooh, I love this next one. For all people who love the Bible, this next one's good. Let me feast on His words. God has a feast in the Bible for us where He wants to talk to us through the Bible. I mean, there's stuff in there. There's, you know, T-bone steaks and filet mignons and, and sirloins and <laughs> prime rib, ribeyes. Pork chops, <laughs> baby back ribs. I mean, that's a feast. No vegetables, right, Becky? <laughs> Everybody has their own feast. 
God really wants us to feast. There's a feast for the people of God. See, God's in a good mood. God, I don't, hey. All right, let me feast on his words. Let my mind run to my master of love. Let my mind, the mind, run. Let it go there. Don't let it go to the, to the gutter. I, haven't you had enough of your mind in the gutter? That's what my daddy uses always. Look, he'd look at me. Get your mind out of the gutter. That's what he would just automatically. He'd say it, walk in the room and say it to me before I even had a chance to open my mouth. Because he knew me. God wants our mind to be towards him. Our master of love. And I will marry my master of love. I will marry. God is going to have a beautiful... He's not going to have a, ma- a bride. He's not going to have a church. He's not going to have a people that are in, his, in our image. Jesus is looking for this bride. When He looks at her, He says, I see my Father. I see the Father. That's my bride. That's the girl I want. I don't want this girl that looks like some guy. You know? some pastor or some apostolic or whatever. I'm not interested. In that, but I'm, looking in, I'm looking for this girl. God wants to beautify us. He wants to make us beautiful. He's in the mood to beautify us. There's a grace that God wants to put on the church that's, that's incredible. There's a grace that He wants to put on us that we're like the most graceful people on the planet. I mean, God really wants to do that. I believe that's the overhead. That's the, the river overflooding. That, I, I haven't experienced that yet. But I believe that's where God wants to take us. And there may be more to it than that. But what I wanted to do this morning is I want us to sing that song. Okay? That's one thing I want us to do. All right, but the other thing I want to do is this. Is I want us to pray for I want to I want to have a prayer over us okay because I'm saying Lord I want the rest of the river I want the overhead level I want it to come that's what I want I want that river to run through this church all the time I want them trees somebody said to me uh, aren't we really the trees Aren't we, the people of God, really the trees? Aren't we the ones where our hands are the leaves? That we are trees, the Bible says, we're trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may, that we are the ones that will heal the nations. I think, I think that's right. I think that really is. We are the trees that the Revelation speaks of, with those trees with fruit on them, that people can eat and be healed. It says, be healed of their hurts and sorrow. We live in a hurting and sorrowful world. This is what the Father is interested in. It's powerful. I'm telling you it is. It's really powerful when you start getting, getting revelation on it. But I just want to, let me just pray this prayer. I really, Lord, we just, if you want to agree with me, would you stand up if you can or raise your hand? I, I'm just saying, Father, we want more of the Holy Spirit River. We're asking you for the overhead. It would be so deep we could not, it, we'd have to swim in it and that you would begin to beautify this church. That you would make us beautiful, Lord. You would make us beautiful, Lord. Beautify us. Make us into the image of the Father. Lord, we renounce our own image and who we are. God, we're asking you to do that in Jesus' name. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. 
Uh, John 14, I'll sort of semi-quote it to you, somewhere in there, verse 16 or something like that. Hey, put that up there, John 14. Philip said, John 14, 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, speaking to Jesus, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Lord, I just ask you to show us the Father. Let us see the Father in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just reveal Him to us, Lord. I just pray that, Lord, and that we really would be trees of righteousness, plans of the Lord, that we, our hands would heal people, heal nations, heal, heal nations of hurt and sorrow. God, give us the overhead. Give us the overhead flow in Jesus' name, I ask you. Thank you, Lord. The Lord reminded me this morning of a vision, an open vision I had ten years ago that I believe now is the time for it to be fulfilled. I was sitting in my patio in Paraguay and I had an open vision of a riverbed. And beside the riverbed it was a desert. There was nothing growing there. And there was like a bank, just a dirt and rock bank going down to this riverbed. had lots of water in the river. And all the, the body of Christ was lined up on the edge of the river. And a few people were scrambling down the bank and getting a bucket of water and coming back and throwing it out on the dry land. And then there were some other people saying, well, we can do this better if we form a team. So they formed a bucket brigade. Everybody had a bucket in their hand. I left that part out. Everybody had a bucket in their hand. And so they, they formed a bucket brigade, and so they would pass the buckets up, and they were throwing water out on the land. And it was just like the desert was too dry and too big, and we were not making any headway. And so in desperation, everybody turned around and faced the river and just jumped in. And when they jumped in the river, it exponentially began to grow. It wasn't just their mass making the water rise. It exponentially grew until the water rose up out of that dry riverbed and flooded the entire desert. And now is the time that that desert should bear fruit and that trees with healings in the leaves are to grow alongside of that river. So I believe now is the time... Don't get frustrated, just jump in. Because now is the time for the flood to come and that it will rise over our heads. Yes, Lord, let it be so. Let it be so, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let us all jump in. Now, we're going to do this song, okay, for a little bit. I want you all to stay engaged in this. We've got a few more minutes. But then we're going to stop for a minute and we're going to pray for people this morning's minds. Okay, so what we want to do is pray for people who have any kind of mind issues. Okay? Remember we asked the Lord to give us the anointing. You got to pull on that anointing to get it to work. So let's just worship a bit on this song.